Hi there and welcome to episode 83 of the Values Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host Gary Turner and today I'm very excited to bring you Amanda Johnson who is founder of True to Intention uh, to the podcast. There are a couple of really interesting insights that I wanted to share with you in advance of the discussion today. One was where Amanda shared that when you ask someone what's your message, usually it comes out pretty quickly. When you ask why does it matter to you, that's when you start to see vulnerability. Usually the message is important to them because of a story. This resonates so much with me personally as I've started to talk about my own uh, life experience. Um, that yeah, when we really get to the crux of the stuff that matters the most, it requires courage and vulnerability to speak to that truth very often. Also, I really enjoyed her speaking about the fact that she was invited into an honours programme where she learned that nobody had ever taught her how to think for herself. Isn't that an interesting thing as we continue to myopically focus on just hitting grades? We're not aiding our young people with the ability to critically think, connect um, and to think for themselves. So, uh, yeah, a couple of really powerful reflections for me as we get going. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Please do connect with Amanda connect with myself if we haven't so far and we are always grateful for any feedback you may be kind enough to offer enjoy the podcast welcome to value through vulnerability this is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity and today i'm very grateful to welcome amanda johnson onto the podcast who is the founder of true to intention so good evening to you or good good evening to me rather yeah good evening good morning to me <laughs> so what is the time with you right now uh, amanda it's about 10 a.m Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, as we get going, would you mind giving our listeners who are kindly joining us today a bit more of a lowdown as to who you are, what do you do for your work, and what are you passionate about, Amanda? Sure. And how long do we have? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so the long and short of it is that I help people who want to become authors, speakers, or coaches figure out what it is that they want to share with the world. Because I find that a lot of people get inspired, but then they get stuck. I call it upside down. And so when they find me, it's usually because they have a great idea, but they don't know how to get started or they've started and they've gotten stuck. And so part of the work that I do with them is to help them figure out what's really going on. Because when you ask someone, what's your message? Usually it comes out pretty quickly, right? But when you ask them, why does it matter to you? That's when you start to see vulnerability, right? Because usually their message is important to them because of a story something that happened to them, some sort of tragedy, something they had to overcome. And now they're at a place where they feel solid enough to take what they've learned to the world, which is amazing. And also what I find is that um, I really believe that the inspiration to write and share with others is like a, our soul's little trick to get us to do the final work around the stories and, and really dive in them, especially with the writing. There's so much opportunity to heal an old story and really solidly move into the next chapter. That's amazing. Do you mind me asking, how, how did you get into this space yourself, Amanda? What was maybe a story that you, you sort of owned to, to get to where you are right now? Have you played pinball? Yes, for sure. <laughs> My career looked a little bit like that. Um, I was always a good writer. And I ended up um, going to college to be a journalist. And then I was invited into an honors program where I learned that no one had ever taught me how to think for myself. And no one had taught me how to put myself into another person's shoes in regards to history and space and time and what 
the author may have been thinking and trying to get across during that time. So as I went through this classic books program, I realized that I really wanted to go back and help young people figure out how to think for themselves and start asking questions earlier because it really catalyzed a spiritual crisis for me. I, it, was, it was a really rough phase. So I decided to go into education and I dipped a toe in and jumped right back out because I, it's toxic, um, it's a toxic situation. And I was trying to really help, but I didn't have, I still was kind of, I wasn't kind of, I was really stuck, really hurting in my own story. And I just didn't have the energy to be able to support the teens the way I wanted to and still have anything left over from the little boy that I had at home and husband who really needed a lot of support during that time. So I, I, I bowed out and I had a friend who was launching an online writing instruction company. And so she asked me to do that because she knew I had the skill set for it and the teaching credential. So I helped her build it. And it was so fun. We were getting such great results. And I was learning how to do all of the, you know, training online. Like, how do you, how do you actually do writing coaching, writing instruction when the person isn't sitting there with you, right? So I learned all of these skills along the way. So then I, I got to the point where I was helping her and we decided to go market it. Well, we went to the wrong market. We went to a group of entrepreneurs that were already writing content. And so they were like, they were saying, we don't want to learn how to write well. We would just want you to fix what we've already been writing. <laughs> so um, while she figured out if she wanted to continue the business, because she really didn't love the sales and marketing aspect of it, um, I started taking on editing projects. And I started to get networked in with this group of entrepreneurs and help them write books and develop content for all their marketing materials. And so I kind of developed a little, a little business on the side. And that was really fun. I had a really good time. Um, and eventually, about 2009, after I had this, um, my own experience with my own message, which I'm sure we'll get to, um, in 2009, I decided it was time for me to start helping people from the beginning. I really needed to, because, you know, I would, people would come to me with hundreds of pages of writing that they had done over two to 10 years. And so the amount of work that it was taking me and the amount of time that they spent on this, I just thought, man, if I could just sit down with you and get you a strong outline ahead of time, you could knock this thing out in, you know, no time at all. So that's pretty much how true to intention came to be. It was what I was realizing was that as the entrepreneurs were bringing me their content, what I was finding was that there were things in their content that were actually undermining their message. So for example, a divorce attorney who helps people get out of domestic violence situations. Um, she herself went through a horrible situation. And so you could barely read her content because it was so hot with rage. I was actually not going to help anyone through <laughs> the process. She had to process all of her own emotion before she could really help other people through the book. So things like that where I realized, ooh, people are actually, there's something going on here where people are undermining their true intention. So my goal became to really help them figure out what is that true to intention? How do we not just stay true to it, but help you do the work so that you are true to it? It's really powerful. There's so many things coming up for me, Amanda, particularly like there's two main things for me I should like to explore with you, which is like this is very clear energetic element to what you're working on. Like for you to talk about the rage almost coming off the page. Yeah. yeah so there's this energy element and there's also this sort of back to source, call it spirituality, call it energy, whatever you want to talk about is actually, are we, are we actually coming from that place of 
inside us or are we coming from our mind or sorry our head and trying to be logical okay. about our story or are we coming from inside of us are those two things relevant to your work that's what's coming oh up. yeah 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 it's, it's the reason why clients start to second guess their decision to work with me almost as soon as we start to work together um <laughs> because when it's you know that question of when i ask them what's the story well then they they tell me the story and it has a lot of space and distance to it and it does come from a very logical i did this and then i did this and i did this and that's what i would share with other people but that kind of writing doesn't engage a reader especially a reader who is in the type of pain that that person who i'm looking at was in not too long ago right so what engages a reader all the emotional stuff all the internal dialogue all of the hard words, all the harsh conversations, all of the physical, visceral emotions that they were feeling in that moment. So when I go back and I ask them to give me a narrative that will engage a reader, yeah, they don't love me very much. They're like, well, I don't wanna go back to that energy. I'm like, right, so that means that it's not quite complete yet, right? Because if you'd really healed it, it wouldn't be anything to go back and be able to say, oh well, yeah, during this time, I mean, I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I can say that now without feeling it in my body. Um, but someone who hasn't worked through those emotions wouldn't be able to. So powerful because you also spoke around that element of critical thinking and empathy as well. So, you know, back to this point about emotion, like how, how do you, I'm really interested to sort of explore a bit of your work now. How do you actually take someone that might have this, like say 10 years worth of stuff yeah, that they, they're hoping they're going to come to you and maybe magic into a book sort of within three months or something. How do you take someone from seeing this amazing, what matters to them probably more than anything in the world and get them to try and unpick that and almost start again, but from a place of, you know, like say from being true to that intention, you know, the name of your company. Yeah. yeah it's um, the way that I've been doing that over the years has kind of changed. And I feel like right now I've got it. Um, dialed in for the moment who knows what will continue to happen and unfold but um, I basically work from like I realize that people really struggle to get to the emotion so oftentimes I try to meet them where they're at so if they're very heady very mental very mappy we start there and then I have them start to uncover and start to do like not actual mind maps, but something like that of, you know, what was, what were the things going through your mind? And so I have them just do bullet points before I actually send them into the immersion into the narrative, because that's tough for people who are living outside their bodies and really struggling to still feel, you know? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? I find that comment so interesting because we've not been back to your point about education being toxic which is a sad thing to say, but we're not taught how to feel, are we? Mm -mm. No, in fact, we're told, we're taught not to, right? We're, those are discounted and validated. Oh, I mean, and what I learned much later and, you know, after, I don't know, six years of working with people and watching them get better and watching myself get sicker um, was I realized I was empathic. So energetically, I was immersing myself in their stories, taking all of it on, trying to churn and burn it and digest it myself. And they were feeling better, obviously, because someone was doing that work and I was getting sicker. So what I realized myself was that I had built such 
a serious amount of armor um, emotionally and even physically. Like my body was just rigid with armor because it was just that hard to feel. It was just, you know, I myself wasn't really completely embodied at the time because it didn't feel safe to be. So most of my clients are in a similar situation. So I do add, now I'm adding an energetic um, energy balancing component, something that I learned how to do a few years ago. And it's moving people along very, very quickly, starting to help their physical bodies start to feel safe and keep up with the work that they're doing mentally and emotionally. Because I mean, I did a lot of self-healing work, a lot of, you know, mental mapping and emotional sharing, but without proper energetic boundaries and without uh, good physical self-care, I was making myself sicker with all of the healing work. I was just churning it through my system, making myself feel more toxic and sick. It's so fascinating for me because if you know a, a lot of the listeners that will be joining us now, there'll be a mix of independent consultants. There'll be a mix of people maybe working in corporate. Maybe they might be, you know, an artist or someone that's writing a book. It'd be a real diverse mix of people. But what I'm sensing about you know, what you're describing cuts across like humanity. You know, this is not set just for what you're offering isn't just for creatives. No, a lot of people really come because they want to, um, you know, they have this, they've been, they've been really great in corporate, right? They've, they've learned how to be a fantastic manager or mentor. And so now for their legacy work, they want to package that up and help other mentors and managers who are struggling figure out how to do it better. And so they want to spend the last 20 year work doing that type of work and really figuring out like the, the best of what they've done, they want to share. Um, and so I have people coming out of corporate. I have new people who are, you know, just healers and are out in the world doing healing work. Lots of people who are, let's say, like life coaches, health coaches, people who've been through a lot of standardized training, and they are excellent at what they do, but they don't have a connection to what's special about them and their own story. And so they can't articulate what's different about me or how can I help this group of people better because I've walked this journey in their shoes before. So a lot of it is helping, um, like you said, it's a, it's a cross section. And I, and I, for that reason, a lot of my work is done by referral because trying to figure out how to market, is just hilarious. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I speak, I do interviews. I, but really at this point, I'm just so clear that the people who cross my path do it at the exact right time for them and for me, um, because they're always bringing medicine for me. So it's a really, it's really fun. So powerful. There's a really strong message there around the universe dealing up for you at the end of the day. <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, um, I mentioned before we started recording that there's a project coming next year and, um, it's going to be a collaborative project where I'm actually working with uh, my former clients, a group of my former clients to talk about the journey behind the journey, right? So they're, they're writing stories about their past story and what they've overcome, but the creative process itself takes them through another layer of that type of healing. And also um, it's messy and it's magical, the process, like um, 
you can't make some of that stuff up that happens. You know, it's just so obvious that things are being orchestrated, um, confirmed, negotiated. People are being dropped into the space at just the right time. You know, it's, it's really a, a cool narrative to watch. So we're gonna, we're gonna figure out how to collaborate on a project and get that message out to people. Like what if, what if the inspiration is just, is just to help us? Like what if it's just to help us look at our own story and heal it? And what if the people that we connect with in order to do that, it's also for them so that they can heal that part of their story? And then how do we take that to the world in a way that feels really authentic instead of buying into all of the formulas and fixes that we see out there? That's, that's so interesting because like you say, that there's still a big reliance, isn't there, on models and theories and stuff up in our uh, logical brain over the more intuitive sort of nature of what we are really. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's something that um, I feel like the first few years of my business, I, I grew the business and I grew internally really fast. And I did it, I think, because I just didn't know any better. And I think this is true for a lot of entrepreneurs who just get out and try to help people um, and just get into the work right away is that there's something organic and easy about just going at it. Like what, you know, where's the energy right now? What, what breadcrumb is right there for me to follow? Why did this person just drop into my life and say this, like maybe they're connected to and really paying attention to, you know, I use the, I use the butterfly as a, an example of how this goes. So the first phase is like the magic egg, you know, getting really clear on what is that magic egg? What is the unique thing that you bring to the world, the true intention. And then the caterpillar phase is that moment after they figured out, what it is that they want to share and they just go nuts right like there's so much i've seen someone in that creative space of just like mind maps and outlines and you know pictures and dream boards and like all of that stuff it's so amazing but then there's this moment and i got to watch this while i watched a little um butterfly bungalow situation with my son we watched it um, in the whole process and i watched this caterpillar literally just flip upside down no resistance, knew exactly what to do. It was all part of the plan. And I thought that's what we don't do. We resist that. We resist looking at the world differently. We, you know, being upside down and looking and having to have a different perspective. But what do they do? They wrap themselves up in a safe space and then they dissolve their material and they bring some new creation into the world. And so that process is, you know, something that we, we talk about a lot and we, we try to figure out like, where is this person? Is this person just like in the soup and the goo or, you know, are they, are they really ready to solidify those wings and start to take flight? And um, what I find is that a lot of people who are um, stuck in the messenger matrix are my, my affectionate way of saying like all of the beliefs that we get stuck in, right? As we go to, I mean, really the minute that we say we want to be a messenger, we kind of subscribe to a lot of that unconsciously, energetically, if you believe in that game, right? And then we go to webinars and we go to events and we go to all these things and we hear all of this. And if we're not really mindful, then we're just taking all of that on as true. Oh, I need to have this funnel or, oh, 
I need to, you know, create all asynchronous videos. Oh, I need to, and this is the map to seven figures. And it's not that any of those are bad or untrue. It's the question of, is that really what my soul wants? Because to play those games at those levels in those ways requires a certain type of personality, a certain type of lifestyle, a certain you know list of priorities. And um, those are the things that are not talked about from stages, right? And so people find that out the hard way. Like, why can't I get this recorded? Well, let's explore if um, it would be good for this to be recorded. So if you're, if you're working on a, if you're working on a message on a video that really at the end of the day is to help is designed to help a mother look at her child as more of a person than something that she has to mold and shape. Is that something you really want her to do in the privacy of her own home with absolutely no support? Is it right? But, but that's the standard of how to do that. So whether the answer to that is true or not on a universal level, what I knew was that the messenger I was looking at wasn't true for her. She wanted to be with that lady. And so of course her soul wasn't letting her record this. And of course the technology wasn't working. And of course she couldn't stay with the script, right? Because it's not, it's not true for her. So how do we do it differently? How do we follow the energy that is right around us instead of spending all of our time and energy and so much money trying to do things that aren't going to work it's I, i'm loving this gauntlet that's been thrown down amanda i'm loving it <laughs> <laughs> does it feel like a gauntlet that's it it really is i'm very passionate about it but, 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 but it makes perfect sense you know we see we are bombarded aren't we on social media with all these different quick get rich schemes or funnels and again like you say i'm not making any judgment but it's very easy to lose your sense of self into that minefield, isn't it? And like, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest challenge we have to some extent. You've really got this passion, this thing that matters more to you than anything in the world that you're vulnerable and careful about. You can have that really ripped open, that heart ripped open and sort of thrown anywhere in that environment. Can't you? <laughs> you really can. And, you know, in a, in a culture that has so much codependency, as part of the flavor, um, we just kind of play into all of that, right? I mean, we want to go save the world. That's happily codependent, (laughs) right? Savior complex. And then we walk into spaces where people are saving the world, right? So then we're tempted to worship them. And all of this goes on unconsciously. And then they fall from grace and then we get angry and then we walk away. Yes, I'm talking about my entire story. You know, I've been... I've, I've been, and also, you know, even looking at some of the experiences that I've had recently looking at events. Do I want to go to that event? Do I want to speak at that event? You know, really checking with my heart of hearts of like, am I doing this because I feel like I want to belong with that group? Is it, is it just a need that I'm trying to fill for me or can I really serve that group? Is that really where the universe wants me to be right now? Or am I just like is that little girl in me still just wanting to be part of that sisterhood you know because that would be so fun and they look like they have so much you know there's so much of that unconscious stuff that is going on for us all the time that we don't even pay attention to we just you know 
keeps signing up for this program and we we miss out so give us an example of that i'm really intrigued of maybe some people that you're working with at the moment or someone like give us an example of someone that completely transformed from maybe maybe more than you even expected you started working with them you know they've come to you with their eight six 15 years worth of stories and they've then suddenly turned it around because i know you've got your own story of releasing a an amazon bestseller in quite a quick time so i'm wondering if you've got anything oh, from a yeah. client point of view as well okay so um, what happened for me was in 2007, I was inspired to write a book and my book was going to be to help parents um, use better words with their children because I had an education degree. I knew enough about child development and I had been really careful with my messaging with my son to the point that when he was, I want to say maybe two to three, he broke something. My grandma called him a bad boy. I started running down the hallway. I don't know what I was going to do to her, but when I got to the edge of the hallway, I saw him looking up at her and he had his hands like in, you know, warrior pose looking up at her little, little boy. And he goes, I'm sorry. I am not a bad boy. I just made a bad choice. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, dang, I must, you know, my work is done with this kid. That was a legacy broken because my unconsciously, unintentionally the people the adults in my life had linked my performance up with my worth so every time i failed it, i was worthless so part of what my messaging for him was you know this is all about your choices not the essence of who you are that's always good so i thought well i'll write this book and i'll you know write the book for the children i had this whole idea this whole vision well I also had the vision that I would be working with um, someone from the, the secret, the movie, the secret. Mm -hmm. And so three months later, one of the secret teachers walked into a sizzler behind me and invited me to an event. And we worked together for many years. I learned how to become a facilitator in her space. I learned how to speak in her space. Um, and I learned how to do a lot of healing in her space. And, um, and so we worked together for many years. It was amazing. And what I realized was that it took me three full years to get through her program. And it was grueling because I had to make what you were talking about earlier, that journey from my head to my heart. I just did not want to touch that pain, but I want to help other people so badly. And they were like, just stick around, Amanda. It'll be okay. You'll thaw out. It'll happen. Some point, just keep coming. So I immersed myself in the workshops until... I finally thought out and got to that point. So as far as clients go, one of the first clients that I had um, was Marlia and I love sharing her story. And um, she even has a little video on my website where she jokes about our process together. And I wrote about her in my book, Upside Down Messenger, because uh, um, what I realized was that a lot of the reason why it took me um, to get through my own journey was so that I could understand the experience of my clients. So when she, when she got to me, um, she wanted to write a book about other Go. All right. So the story of Marlia is basically that um, and me. 
also write about the, everyone else's stories. Like she wanted a bunch of women to write their stories and make it a collaborative project, which is a cool idea. But when I asked her about if she'd been on the journey from disillusionment to joy in any other way, all of a sudden you could see all the light bulbs go on. And then she was like, yeah, but I don't want to write that story. Um, and so there was this conversation about how like she didn't want to go back to the situation that she was in before to really be able to make the impact that she felt like she wanted to make. And, and so, you know, as we're working through this process, um, it was just like watching layer and layer and layer. Like she walked in with her, we would tease her, she walked in with her like short spiky hair and her like fierce kind of energy and lots of armor. And I was just hanging out with her last month and I was just smiling at her because she's just so soft now. She's just made that journey into um, realizing for her the moment that changed everything. And she gave me permission to share this in the, in the book because it was such a powerful moment was her story was that she felt like God was punishing her, that he was breaking her. Um, and, and so I asked her, is this something that um, you would do for, for your child? Like if your child was going off the path, would you try to break them? And she was like, no. And I'm like, okay, so what other possibility is there? Because if you're talking about a loving benevolent force of the universe, um, that's not congruent. You believe this and you believe this and they don't, it doesn't work. So what else is possible? Is it possible that God was trying to warn you? And all of a sudden she was like, and here and here and here and here, all the warnings that came that she ignored. So immediately her narrative turned from being broken by God in order to be a, a healthy vessel, which I don't know how that logic works, but that's what the narrative was for her, right? to realizing that God was trying to save her and redeem, redeem her the whole time, acting like the loving father that she said that he was. And, you know, maybe it was just, so she looked at her narrative completely differently. We actually, I'm, I'm auditory. So I actually heard like a, a whole matrix break. It was the craziest thing. And the whole room was like, oh my goodness. And then she quickly wrote through the rest of her story and launched it on stage and hilariously you know she was going to be a big speaker and she was going to have this big company and um and now she's she decided through that process like actually I really want to be a mom again and I really want to go back and pastor and so all these ideas and I use this as an example because so many times people think that they know why they're being asked to do that. They have that big vision and that, you know, this is the revenue. This is the formula that will get me there. It's like, what if that's not the there at all? You know, maybe if maybe there is just feeling more whole and complete with your story so that you can do all the things that you maybe have given up on because you didn't think they were possible anymore, but now they're possible. So pretty, it's pretty amazing work. I, I, um, I feel very, very blessed to be doing this with people. It's, it's so amazing. It's funny. Last year I was on, um, it was a retreat around mind conscious and thought, um, Amanda. And I went into it going, okay, I'm open-minded. It's fine. And like to my awakening, I call it affectionately a midlife awakening, not at all a crisis. Mm -hmm. And I sat there cause I had burnt myself out uh, four years ago. On the second day of this retreat, I just sat there and suddenly just went, oh, my God, it wasn't actually anybody that burnt me out. I did it to myself. I overthought my way into that. 
And there's a certain freedom that comes with realizing it's on you. And I think as long as you think you're a victim and it's somebody else's responsibility, you tend to suffer a lot more. Does that resonate with you? Yes, absolutely. And there's another component that happens when you're writing through your narrative um, that happens for you with other people and the, the other characters in your story. So, you know, I've had clients who would say, well, I don't want to write that story because I don't want to hurt my mom. Like I have a good relationship with my mom now, but my mom was responsible for a lot of the pain that led to the story. So how do I tell the story when leave her out of it? You can't really, right? Um, and so how about we just write through it and see what happens, you know, see how it goes. Well, you know, chapters one and two are really rough. It's just like, I don't want my mom to read this. You know, we get in chapter three and four and all of a sudden she's like, I remember, cause I do these retreats where they write with me, right? So she was on the couch and I was in the kitchen um, making some food. She was my hero too. And I was like, right. So we lock onto one narrative that this person has this role in our life. They're the villain or they're the hero. And in reality, when you start to write through, you start to see them, not just yourself as a whole person, but other people as whole people with, you know, the victim the hero, the villain, like we've all got all those parts. And so somehow the process of organizing your narrative and being able to write through it and really feel through it, it's not enough to just write it. You got to feel it. Um, it really changes your perspective of the whole story to the point where, you know, this last year I've been working with people through a, um, a healing process that I call from character to co-author because character is always the thing it's always the part where they look at me funny because I'm like you know go back and be the character in the story I don't want to be the character I don't want to feel that stuff ever again you know it's just like I hate you Amanda okay I know it's okay hate me but just write it see you feel better and so but there's something that happens because through the process of writing they are immersing themselves as the character back in right but then they have to come out and look at the whole story and say, now, how is it that my character got from here to here? Because our memories only work, they only remember the things that are like super hot, right? Like the highly visual, highly intense. And, and so all these things that happen in between, we usually leave that stuff out. But when someone says, but how did you get from here to here? All of a sudden, they have to be a narrator view and say, oh, this person, this teacher jumped in or this person led me to do this body work or whatever the story is. And all of a sudden they start to see grace happening, right? It's not just the horrible things that happen. There's grace in between these things. And so then they get to the point where, you know, as I'm asking, as we get towards the end of the story, and usually I always tell people, we can't, we're not going to map out the last chapter. I mean, we're going to, but it's not going to be what you think because something is going to happen towards the end of this writing process and you'll be writing, the, the, the timeline will merge. And what ends up happening is as they're writing, they start to see the patterns of their own responses in conversation, of their own physical responses, of leaving the room, of running, of, right? And so they start to see, well, maybe I'm always in this situation because I'm always saying this. Or maybe I'm, and they start to see the little places where they have power but didn't know it. And so those other places in their life that still have echoes of this, which by the way, is the big reason why a lot of people will not 
share, they won't expose themselves because there's this part over here where the, the message hasn't healed up yet. All of a sudden they start to see like, this is where the, this is where my power is to shift this. And when that happens, magic happens. I mean, this last year I've had clients get in car accidents, break legs, break bones, like this craziest stuff has happened. And in every situation I have said, I already know that there, that something else is happening. Like the guy who picked up the tow truck, I needed that conversation. He needed to be connected to my work. You know, the person, the, the paramedic and the, like, it's so, they're so in the moment and so clear after looking back at their journey that every little thing had purpose, had meaning that they could give to it as they were writing through it again. They realize that they can give meaning right now to the thing that is happening instead of, oh, this is the worst thing because like maybe it's the best thing because you got fired from that job and then your dream job showed up right the next door, right, you know, right the next day. It's crazy. It's absolutely miraculous what happens when people get into that space where they're acting more as the co-author, you know, so. Well, I'm, I'm buzzing. People hear me say this, like amazing guests like you, Amanda, but honestly, I'm, I'm genuinely buzzing. Like, I'm, I'm, all, all I can think of is, yeah, my story now. I'm just like, actually, just, yeah, I might be, I might be giving you a call. <laughs> it, awesome. It, but, but it's so powerful the way you frame it and you, the way you set it up around that whole, you know, our life as a story and who is playing which part in your story. You know, I talk about narratives and storytelling in our own head, but I don't always think about the other actors in the story. And I think oh, yeah. that's, that's the interesting part for me. That's a that's my that's the most fun part is to think, you know, if you watch if you watch yourself, uh, if you think about watching a play, like if you went to a theater and you're watching a play, and you have that one character that's like really important to the whole play, for everybody, right? <laughs> Are you one of those? <laughs> Most of my clients are one of those because <laughs> I am, right? And so, and so there's like that lead character on stage that kind of holds the whole thing together. Well, you know, they've all been running their lines. They've all been doing the same behaviors on stage. Everything moves. The, the, the whole scene moves at the time that it's supposed to. And then son of a gun, if that lead person decides to change some of the words, right? What happened? Oh, they didn't, they didn't accidentally forget their words. No, they use a whole new script that's going to take this whole production in a whole different, in a whole different way. What are the other characters going to look like? Lost, terrified, angry, right? That's what happens when we start to change our own narrative. So yeah, if we can start looking at the people around us as characters in the story, then we can develop empathy for them. Because when we change that game, their game has to change. We force that change. And that's, and isn't that so beautiful? Like there's so much opportunity in that as well. Yep. It's beautiful when you know what's happening. When you don't know what's happening and you don't realize the impact that you actually have on other people, then it really just feels like self-sabotage. I think that's probably how people frame it up the most and then they go, pay for another program to learn another modality to heal that. And it's like, but what if, what if all that crap started to take place? Because I mean, what if you started that chaos because you started a new script or a new behavior? Like, what if that was you? Well, then I don't want to deal with that ever again. So I'm not going to write this book. I'm not going to take stages. I'm not 
right? So all of that, all those decisions are being made unconsciously and people don't understand why they take two steps forward and 10 steps back. It's because everything has to change for you to be that person that you know yourself, you know, is true to intention is who you're here to be. You, there are things in your life that don't fit that version of you and you're going to have to let go and you're going to have to renegotiate relationships. And it's not, it's not easy. It is not for the faint of heart, this, this journey. But, you know, you're wrapping up brilliantly this conversation, because ultimately what you're speaking to there is, you know, to go on this journey, yeah, to own your story takes a mixture of courage and vulnerability. Absolutely. It's, it's the only, it's the only way to actually, I think, actually create long-term change for yourself and long-term change for other people. If that's really what you want to do, um, that's the game. Lots of vulnerability. Well, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. Amanda, you've been amazing. So how can people get hold of you if they want to learn more about your programs, find out a bit more about you? Sure. Uh, the website is true to intention. So that's T-R-U-E-T-O and then intention is singular.com. And, um, and then if they want to reach out over email, uh, it's Amanda at true to intention.com and all the information is there. All the, um, message matrix program is probably the, the one to take a look at if people are interested in getting their stories out. Um, and then there's a character to co-author, um, which is really for people who know that they just need to heal the story more than take the story to the world. So, and there's a lot of free stuff. How I, like you said, how I did the crazy thing of writing, publishing, and launching my book in three months. It's, it's pretty nuts. But I shared all my secrets in, one, in a free audio series on there. So. Very cool. Look, thank you so much for that. And you've been an absolute joy. Thanks for your time today, Amanda. Oh, no, the web, the Wi-Fi again. <laughs> I think I've still got you. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Amanda Johnson that was. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I just want to share three of the key takeaways uh, that I took from this superb conversation. Amanda spoke about unconsciously, unintentionally, the people in my life had linked my performance up with my worth. So every time I failed, I was worthless. She importantly emphasizes this is about choice, not the essence of who you are. I really just want to hold just a second for anyone that's kind enough to be listening. Are you one of those people that still ties the amount of money you own, the car that you have, the size of your home to your self-worth on a human level? If so, please do listen to these reflections in this podcast again, because you are already a 10 out of 10. You don't need material items to justify your self-worth, but we do need to understand the stories that we're telling ourselves. I also enjoy Amanda speaking about that we resist looking at the world differently, being upside down and having to have a different perspective. When she was talking about the um, evolving butterfly, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. We are built on certainty, we are built on grades, we are built on being the best, we are built on being individualistic. You know, that's not how we're wired innately at the human level, however it's how we've learnt to be divisive, how marketing divides us, etc. So I wonder if there's one thing on these reflections you could try and do a bit differently tomorrow, just to try and ensure that you stay in your own power. And finally, how do we follow the energy that is right around us instead of spending all of our time and energy and so much money 
trying to do things that just aren't going to work. Just Amanda was speaking here to a little bit of so many of these uh, coaches out there, so many programs, get rich schemes. You know, how can you just find the thing that's right for you? What feels good for you? What gives you energy? What helps you grow? And if there's things in your life that don't do that, question them. Are they tied to your beliefs? And if they are tied to your beliefs, do those beliefs serve you anymore? So I just absolutely love this conversation. I got so much out of it personally. I hope that you did too. Please do connect with Amanda. You can find myself, that's Gary Turner, your podcast host, at Gary Turner Zero. On Twitter, you can find me on LinkedIn and also at my website, The Listening Organization, which is one word. I'm very keen to continue to share my talks. I've got three main keynote talks. Should that be of interest to you, your organization or your peers? One is around vulnerabilities of strength. One is around intentional human-centered design. And another is around effective interdepartmental partnerships. So if any of those topics resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, I wish one and all a great day. And if you do feel moved and have enjoyed this conversation, I'd be really appreciative of a rating on your favorite podcast chat, podcast app even of choice. And thank you for bearing with some of the interruptions during the pod- podcast. It is value through vulnerability. Things happen. And that's what life is all about. Have fun until next time. Cheers.